You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. All right, let's see if I remember how to do this. The Kings are on a much-needed break from the most grueling schedule in the NHL, and the Bannermen are back from a reluctantly self-imposed break. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hello, friend. It's been a while. It has been a while, like riding a bike. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. I don't know. I haven't ridden a bike in the longest time, so uh, I'm going to trust you on that cliché. <laughs> I don't even know if it's true, so <laughs> just people say it, so I'm going with it. It's like putting on shoes. Is that a thing? Do people say that? Sure. For us, I think it works. <laughs> okay. Specifically for this podcast. Yeah. Sorry we've been gone for so long, guys. Couple uh, life events, some good, some bad, but uh, we're back now, fully engaged. Yeah, as engaged as we can be anyway. Like you mentioned, um, sometimes life gets in the way of fun. Mm. That's exactly what happened. But we're one thing that didn't stop is hockey, except right now the Kings haven't played in <laughs> 10, 11 except days. Apparently, it did stop. It did stop hockey. Probably for at a good time for us. Yeah, yeah, this I think so. Break was 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 timely, but I don't know. What have we missed? Has anything important happened? I, you know, I feel that's the funny thing. Like we, I was kind of looking at this thinking, man, we haven't recorded in so long. There's going to be so many things we need to discuss. And I sincerely feel like everything is exactly the same as it was maybe a month and a half ago. The standings are still the same. It's still up and down. It's still kind of the same three or four teams in the Pacific going for If anything, the only thing that's changed is the the bottom feeder teams have kind of have kind of made things interesting like Vancouver going through all sorts of stuff with coaching changes and trading Bo Horvat um St. Louis getting rid of Tarasenko something that was maybe a long time coming interestingly landing in New York it's a yeah it's like a it's like a little Atlantic Atlantic Western Conference love in at the moment but I don't feel like a whole lot's changed from the from a King's perspective, personally. Tell me, am I wrong? No, I think it's the old, like, by the end of November, you kind of know what kind of team you have and, and where they'll likely more or less an, end up in the standings. And I think it's kind of carried that way for most of the teams in the Pacific and in the West, although Edmonton went on a nice little tear there almost <laughs> to the minute where I criticized <laughs> their franchise on Twitter. They went on like a pretty good run. Which obviously implies that they follow us. I, I can't think of any other logical reason why yeah. that would happen. Connor McDavid, big time follower, <laughs> waits. He takes our tweets personally and then he goes out and he does what he does <laughs> clearly. But yeah, the Pacific, I mean, it feels like it's going to come down to the wire with these yeah. teams. I mean, the Kings, I think the only benefit I see for them is that they've played so much that they're going to have a... I guess more breaks, less back-to-backs, and more home games in general mm-hmm. than they have in the first 53. I think they've played 53 games at this point. Yeah, they played Most 53, the and, and a lot of the teams will catch up to them um, by Saturday, Saturday night. Yeah. I think Seattle's still going to be still going to have a game in hand, but I think uh, Vegas, uh, Edmonton, et cetera, they're going to be right up there with them, 52-53, pretty much all of them across the way. Yeah, it's going to come down to the wire, like I said. And I expected Seattle to at some point fall back to earth, but 
not happening at the moment, although they're going to face some adversity now as their star rookie is out, Matty Benares. I don't know how long he's out. You might know that better than me, but. Uh, I I don't think it was a major injury in any way, but certainly it was something that if I remember when they announced that it, it was like he's going to be out a little bit, that kind of thing. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like out till playoffs, that kind yeah. of situation. Week but to week maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they exactly, I'll look it up while we're chatting here, but yeah, I feel it, it was pretty clearly that. Yeah. And that he missed the all-star game because of that, you know? Right. Correct. That the valuable all-star game that just. No one wants missed. to miss that. No one. No Historically one. speaking. <laughs> uh but yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice now because maybe if the Kings actually start winning a few, and you know we're yelling from the mountaintops that the Kings are first in the Pacific, it might actually mean something this time around, as opposed to you know having having played five more games than, right. than the second place team. Right. Yeah. Kings currently in the first wild card spot. With 63 points. It's a three-way tie, actually. Two, three, and four. Mm-hmm. Seattle, Edmonton, LA. Uh, but Seattle and Edmonton are ahead because of games played. Which yes. they have less. Uh, Kings have a pretty decent-ish uh, cushion on Minnesota. Yeah. Five-point lead. And Minnesota has two games in hand, though. So Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I feel less worried this year about the... Uh, the central as I have in the past. I feel like classically I've always felt like the central is going to have five teams in there and it's going to be up to the the top three Pacific teams to get their playoff spots that way. I've always felt like the wild card spot for the Pacific teams has been harder to come by because the central teams have generally been better. Better, yeah. And I don't I don't get that sense this year. I no, feel like I agree. I think Calgary would probably go ahead of Minnesota at some point. Right. You, you would think they're going to figure it out sooner than later. I never had, I really didn't have high hopes for Minnesota this season going in. Mm-hmm. That's why we play the games as Dustin Brown once said with an expletive. In, oh, in oh, that's, that's quite the transition there. Because I wasn't even trying to, because <laughs> this is, this is the kind of talent that you possess friend. Yeah. Maybe we should take longer breaks. My segue game is on point all of a sudden. <laughs> that's right. So the Kings first game back, which will be uh, Saturday, we're recording this on the Thursday before that game, will be the uh, Dustin Brown retirement uh, ceremony, jersey retirement. And as a few people had pointed out, I wonder if they meant to do that uh, on a day where they're playing Pittsburgh so that Carter could potentially be there too. I doubt that had anything to do with it. Happy happy accident, probably. Yeah, I was – so it was funny. I was looking at – when I looked at the game recently and I was like, why Pittsburgh? And I realized that who else would it be against? Because I, I should say it doesn't matter who it's against because this guy's only played for one team. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, a Luke Robitaille hypothetically situation where like, hey, let's get the Red Wings in here because it'll be cool. Sure. You know what I mean? So in the end, does it really matter? I guess the Jeff Carter thing is like something. I mean, it's either them or Vegas, right? Like you, you do it against Vegas and then you got like a couple of the guys, you know, with, uh, with McNabb and, uh, and Martinez, if he's playing, sure, whatever. I think it has more so to do with the fact that it's coming on after the bye week. It's a Saturday game. Saturday game is important. 
convenient. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I don't have any, any other deep dives into that good yeah. opponent. It'll be a hot ticket. It would be a hot ticket anyway. So yeah, it's, it'll be nice. It's been, and the Kings have been releasing all sorts of little Dustin Brown memories and reminiscing. And, uh, I've been slowly getting through Jesse's, uh, 10 year reunion recaps of the 2012, uh, cup team, lots of Dustin, Dustin Brown praise in those episodes too. Rightfully so, rightfully so. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been nice and nostalgic and, uh, I'm sure Saturday is going to be a, a great time for the team and for Dustin Brown. I fully expect for them to lose that game, by the way. <laughs> Are they not good in any ceremonial game? I'm trying to Dude, remember. Ceremonial game coming back after like a third, how many games? Like a 10, 10 day layoff. Yeah. And Pittsburgh plays, oh, they've been playing. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like the first period for the Kings there. Might have to no. take the Penguins on the first period. Puck line. <laughs> I'm not, might do that. But yeah, no, that's a good point. And the one, interestingly, you brought that up. Uh, I've been to quite a few ceremonial games, but the one yeah. I remember very clearly is the, when they raised the banner for the 2012 cup after post lockout, right? There was a the lockout shortened season. So the game actually happened in 2013 in like January, I believe it was against Chicago and the Blackhawks just smoked the Kings. <laughs> that's not, I have that memory. That's, like, that's clearly, what they do. <laughs> clearly in my head. I really can't remember the second banner raising game, but I expect that they lost. Don't remember Blake's retirement game. The result. I remember the ceremony. They probably lost. So it's just the equations of it all. Just kind of like you show up, you haven't played in a long time. You're trying to get the juices flowing, and then you take 25 minutes to to get nostalgic and celebrate. Right, your and there's buddy. the there's the emotional thing. All almost all these guys played with them. Yeah, that's what Maybe I mean. Not all these guys won with them, but all these guys played with them. So there's right. going to be some kind of a emotional letdown probably after that ceremony yeah i just i never like i'm sure there's some stat somewhere where if you look at the teams that have some sort of event like that some prolonged celebration ahead of it i can't imagine that that they're statistically the ones who end up winning that game i feel like there's just there's too much that goes into it to really zap the the energy out of you before you before you start a game like that and then the Kings earlier this year had a long break and they came out like after a five or six day break and they look like absolute <laughs> garbage. I think against Edmonton, I think they lost three Oh or something in that game and just had nothing going. So high hopes, high hopes. Enjoy the pregame ceremony folks. Yeah. I hope you missed our positivity, <laughs> but it, it's unfortunate because they need the points bad at this point. It, like we are now at the juncture of the season where every game, every point truly truly is magnified so let's hope it's a it's a slow first maybe they're they're down one nothing after the first and then they kind of remember how to play hockey that's what i'm hoping for that'd be nice that'd be nice who do you think is going to be in net do they give it to do they give it to quickie for the oh for nostalgia that, I at consider all? that um which would I be wouldn't. stupid but <laughs> it would be it, like i wouldn't do that <laughs> 
Personally. Yeah, that would, I get that it. Would, like that's that would cute. Be dumb, it's very yeah. cute. <laughs> it's a cute thought, but I think we're. I think we've. <laughs> the sample size is large enough now, my friend. Where it's like, okay, we know who our, we know who the guy is, and never in a million years did we expect we'd be in this position. Um, I was gonna say in September, but shit, I would say like in December when he came in, didn't expect it. So. I, I don't know what I expected when they brought him up. I really, I mean, I thought it was just one of those moves that you kind of do because you have to send a goalie down and therefore a goalie's got to come back up. I think we all expected, okay, you know, we're going to play quick into the ground again. Right. And and we're going to hope that he figures it out. Because at that time, which isn't saying much, he seemed more reliable and I air quote reliable about as much as I can than Cal in that moment. In yeah, like slightly that's what more I mean. reliable like, than Peterson. Yeah. Yes. And and I think more reliable than he's looked in his last few games, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But now it's like now, now it's, it's like, like I'm scared. Don't do it. <laughs> right? It sucks and it's sad, especially since we're celebrating a guy on Saturday who's, you know, a lifetime right. king and you know, Stanley Cups, awards, he quicks the same thing, and he's going to have that night too. But, like, you could clearly – it's sad to say, but it looks to me right now like this might be the end Yeah. for JQ. And I've doubted him before, and he's made me look silly before. It could very well happen again, but his last few outings, man, have been tough to watch. You know what it feels like? Do you remember last season when Brown was playing and you kept trying to tell yourself once every three to four games that maybe, maybe he still got it, but the minutes kept going down. The presence in any kind of game just wasn't there. And it became very abundantly clear, probably around this point, that even if he was going to continue to play, it it probably wasn't going to be with the Kings or it would be in like some super limited yeah. seven eight one year contract role. something yeah, like that yeah that kind of thing yeah. it's very similar vibes right now with quick i think with brown the most evident thing was the lack of physicality that was yeah. the number one it wasn't right. even it wasn't even scoring it wasn't even points or just driving offense or possession or whatever you want to look at like i test you've seen this guy your whole career the lack of physicality from him yeah was like very apparent in his last season so yeah and when you're a goalie, it's magnified, right? It's every shot. Oh, yeah. You're in every play, essentially. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm like ninety, ninety. Let's go. I'm ninety percent counting Jonathan Quick out right now for this for this season. I I feel like it's best. For the you team mean after run. this season, or like it's they're not, just going to no, play him? I'm in really back just to thinking back, about kinda. this season. Like, yeah, I think it's going to be Phoenix Copley mm. all the way through. Barring so not even a, Cal coming up or anything see, like that. I don't know, dude. Because yeah. again, that we can open that goddamn can of worms right now if you want to. Sure. Because if you call him up, you have to send Copley down. And he has to go through waivers. And you don't want to do that right now, do you? No. No, not it's, in the slightest. You tell me, bud. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are they going to do? 
No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. I think, um, I think they're going to play quick, very sparingly. And obviously none of us are privy to the conversations that the coaching staff or the management has with him. Um, much like we didn't have any clear confirmation with Brown that, that he was going to be done until the very end of the season, you know? Um, and so maybe they've had similar conversations with quick and quick has made it clear to them what, what he's okay with and what he plans on doing. And maybe they've made it clear to him what they plan on doing, but he's also not dumb. He also can see what happens when he's playing versus when Copley's playing. Um, and I think the team has no choice. Uh, they can't send quick down. It's just stupid. That's not going to happen. No, that'd be a very, no, you tarnish yeah. the guy's legacy. Like 100%. you don't do it. You don't do it to the guy like that. Right. Like he, he's, I don't know what you do obviously, but you don't do that. That's, that's for damn sure. I think in their eyes, they look at it right now and they go, Cal is in the AHL. It's not ideal, but it's fine. And he's yeah. probably gotten used he to passed, it. He cleared waivers. Yeah. We dodged yeah. that bullet or whatever, even if it was a right. bullet, I don't know. And, uh, and Copley's doing well enough. I think they ride exactly like you said. They go Copley majority of the games. They give Quick a few easy, quote unquote, easy ones or back-to-backs, you know. Oh, they're playing Anaheim, for example, on the 17th. Feels like one that maybe they give to Quick. Um, and they just see how things go. I, I don't think that there's any interest whatsoever in bringing in a fourth, a fourth goaltender into that terrible, terrible situation. I know there's been like this ongoing, you know, Twitter polls and things like that about, oh, what's the greatest need? Is it goaltending? Is it defense? You can you can have that argument, but realistically, I don't see a way that they bring in a fourth goaltender here because no one's one gonna, is going the other way. Well, and no, the that's only, what I was going to say. The only no one one's that can take go Peterson. the other way is Copley, yeah. No one's going to take Peterson. You're not no. going to trade Copley. No one's going to take Quick, and you're not going to trade Quick right now anyway. So that clearly, that whole what do we do with the goaltending beyond this season situation is is a summer problem in my mind. That's what I it think, feels like. Yeah. Agreed. That's what it feels like. Here, here's my issue. I like Phoenix Copley. I think he's done a great job. I am not comfortable at all with him in the postseason. Yeah, you shouldn't be. Am I more comfortable with him than Jonathan Quick in the postseason? I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. Only because of Quick's playoff pedigree and, and just... I don't know if he could just turn it on and play games all of a sudden and, and be good again. I really don't know if the time for that is up, but I don't know what the solution is, man. I think if it continues this way, unless there's a big shift where Jonathan Quick figures out his game and Copley puts together three, four stinkers and you have to put Quick in now, and then Quick rediscovers his game and you ride him into the playoffs, I guess that's possible. The other possibility... Um, if I remember correctly, the AHL season ends before or like mid first round of the, of the NHL playoffs. So theoretically you could bring Cal Peterson up as a, as a black ace kind of situation. And then at that point you just kind of figure out who's playing best and you, and you write it out. Even if it's Cal, 
in that scenario. Does he qualify as a black ace? I well, if is the it, season's it, done. But is there is there an, there's no age thing to that? I don't believe so. As long as so. you're in the AHL, you're fine. Yeah, I, I I don't think it really matters. I mean, if the season is done, you can bring any of those guys up so long as they pass through waivers, which I don't think is going to be an issue for Cal. I, I don't think there's – I'd have to look into it specifically, but I, I don't think that would be a problem because roster sizes expand. The cap basically disappears in the postseason. So I don't see why that would be a problem for them to carry three goaltenders in the postseason. And then just use whoever's. It's not a great solution. There is no great solution to this. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a pickle, my friend. Yeah, it's a pickle but right th- now. But I think that's that's the problem. They've tried to find a good solution to it. They couldn't. They lucked out in having Copley actually come around and play well. Because you can can you imagine if Phoenix Copley played like, I don't know, a career backup AHL goaltender? Where would they be? At that point, yeah. At that point, then you'd be desperately looking for goaltending. So the fact that Copley's actually playing well enough that you can ride him as a starter for a little bit, that's been tremendously helpful for the Kings. Yeah, I agree. It's been save their ass because they would be in in a bad way right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, then at that point, you're going to have to make a trade, like you said. 100%, 100%, yeah. so. Or you're you're hoping that I don't know Matt Valalta comes up and it becomes like you're you're grasping at straws basically. No matter even Copley was a, a grasping at straws situation, but it worked out for him. So I think um, I think they hope for the best in that scenario. It's not a great solution, um, but as we've talked about before, the playoffs are weird, and you can have a hot goaltender. And when I look at the Pacific Division in terms of goaltending, like, are, are you really seeing anyone that's like inspiring that much confidence at the moment? Like Logan Thompson's doing okay in Vegas, having a good season, but like he's he's had shaky moments. Edmonton now Jack Campbell is kind of sidelined for <laughs> he's, yeah, he's the new exactly Mike Smith. exactly for for Stuart Skinner again completely out of nowhere and not a lot of it's particularly inspiring in my mind in the West. So I think the Kings like their chances with Copley and net where I think that they'll try to do better is protecting Copley and upgrading the defense a little bit, which has been an ongoing discussion for, I don't know, three seasons now, two seasons now. Uh, yeah, I agree. If, there is a move to be made. I would expect it to be a depth defensive move at this point at the deadline, hmm. <clears throat> which is in under a month at this point. And there, as you mentioned at the top of the show, there's already trades happening. So, and I don't even, like I said, it's a depth move. I don't think they're going to, this Chikrin stuff, I think I'm done. Let's, <laughs> let's be done. Let's be done with it, guys. How about that? If it happens, sure. But I just don't, at this point, do not expect it to happen. And I think we're looking at like a tier two, tier three type acquisition at this point. So you're not feeling my Jake McCabe thoughts either then? Well, is he a tier one at this point? I would say so. I think he's on that level with Chikrin, honestly. Maybe he doesn't have that name value or like the the glowing numbers that, that Chikrin had a couple seasons ago that really landed him on the 
on the on the map in that way. But if you look at the underlying numbers and the stats and everything, especially on a really bad Chicago team, like yeah, I, I think I think he's gonna get quite a package. Especially for having because he has two term, more, right? Yeah, he's got he's got two more years at four million a year. He's twenty nine right. years old, right? Big so that's not guy. a deadline. Yeah, that's not a deadline no. deal. You're gonna have to make exactly. an actual trade there. Yep. I wouldn't mind Jake McCabe. I wouldn't mind Joel Edmondson. I don't care. He's a UFA, obviously, but you know, we're just trying to steady the ship here defensively, right? Enough so that we don't have a heart attack every time if we do play Edmonton hypothetically (laughs) yeah i don't that's gonna scare me yes the playoffs are a different animal you're not the kings are doing well in in eliminating high danger chances right now right way better than they were in front of quick or peterson right for whatever reason i don't know and the pk has gotten better pk because they stopped doing that stupid shit has gotten better (laughs) thank god the goddamn reverse wedge plus one sweeper don't see that anymore yeah there's much there's more sim- much closer yeah. to a traditional yeah, diamond sim- box structure <laughs> simplified it right if it's on your side break it up into break the ice up into a quadrant if it's in your area read it <laughs> if you're gonna be aggressive make sure you have a chance at the puck simple simple stuff guys simple stuff and yeah it's, yeah like you said it's improved the, the pk i think what was that florida game where they went perfect like six for six on the pk yeah it's been and- a while and they held on for a third period onslaught in that game. I think Florida had something like 20 shots. and You're right. Yeah. And then they promptly lost to Tampa Bay because they were totally gassed. You they saw, you saw that coming, yeah. Oh, man. Mile away. Coming. I will say this, this. This team is nothing if not predictable. They're predictably unpredictable, which is why I predict a loss on Saturday. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so question for you then so you agree with me that a defensive move second third pairing second pairing obviously being kind of like a higher end as far as the kings are concerned but a depth defensive move let's say is is likely what's going to happen if anything it's the likeliest scenario in my mind yeah so what would you be willing to give up in those hypothetical scenarios picks and stuff let's assume that anything lower than a second round pick is not that big a deal. So throw those out. But like, would you give up a first, which roster players would you be comfortable with giving up in that kind of, cause some roster player will need to go to make room for salary. I mean, they're, they're right up there salary cap wise. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a roster player moving has been kind of looming over the team for quite some time now, just because of sheer numbers and spots. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like some of these guys are getting healthy now, which is great. Kaliev and Moore specifically sound like they're real close. I think Kaliev is suiting up on Saturday, if I read correctly. Yes. Yeah, Kaliev suiting up. Moore still in a non-contact jersey. Yeah. But he's getting closer. Yeah. I think Velarde's the one. Maybe that's a longer term. And Grundstrom. And Grundstrom, right. Um but at, you know, at some point, those guys are going to come back too. So I think a roster move, like we've been waiting for someone off the roster to be traded at this point. I don't know who, because I think that's just a different conversation. I mean, we've been, it, Alex Ayafalo was on the tip of everyone's tongue earlier in the summer and in the fall, but now it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, yeah. don't, I, I don't know anymore. 
Yeah, that would hurt. I do wonder about the defenseman. Yeah. I don't know if anyone wants Sean Walker at this point, but he's mm-hmm. also a name that's been thrown around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Jordan Spence has to play NHL hockey at some point. Right. The question is, when is that going to happen? Is it this season at any point where you call him up? Kind of like the Voinov situation many, many mm-hmm. years ago, where mm-hmm. at the deadline, you just made him a full-time NHLer and he was just fine. I don't think they trade Sean Dersey right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that sense either. I think he's playing too many minutes, power play. Uh, he's been fine. Obviously, he still has his moments that we <laughs> we we groan and text each other and be like there he is right jersey moment but i think he's too important on the power play right now and and for the good that you take with the bad it's quite a bit of good it is you it, some here's the things with player here's the thing with players like jersey you tend to focus on the bad more because it's so glaringly bad right and and the and the good is not as obvious it's it's sometimes it's smaller plays sometimes it's little things sometimes it's a pass that he makes in the offensive zone that looks routine but if you dig deeper it's actually a very impressive play that requires Mm -hmm. high offensive iq to make so i'd rather have sean dersey on this team down the stretch than not i agree i agree I agree. I think you can, you can, I think if you have that mythical second pairing left-hand defenseman, then you can, then you can create reasonable left-right, left-right pairings where then you're not forced to play Jersey on his, uh, on his off, offside. And they're doing that by the way, because he has such puck skill. Maybe not in the defensive zone, but like he can escape pressure. He can wheel it the other way. And and that's why they keep putting him in that position because there's really no one else who can do that, unfortunately. And that's not a knock against him. That's just, you know, that's the hand that he plays hockey with. But if you, if you can set it up in a way where you get normal left-right pairings by getting another left-handed defenseman, then I think that goes a long way to improving Jersey's play in the defensive zone as well. Cause then you can let him play in a more natural setting for, for what hand he has and makes it even easier for him to escape or get pucks out, which is where a lot of the issues have been turnovers and things like that. Trying to break the puck out when he's a right-handed defenseman trying to come up the left side of the wall, you know, it's not, not an ideal situation. Yeah. I don't see here's, who do you move off this roster money-wise? It's not It's not easy, man. It's not. It also depends on who you're acquiring and what their ticket is. That's kind yeah. of important, too. Yeah. So if you're saying it's a Tier 2, Tier 3 type defenseman, you're probably not looking at a ton of salary coming in. Well, McCabe has signed at $4 million, okay? And Chikrin is around there, too. I think he's 4.25. And those are just contract costs. Obviously, those guys are going to cost you a lot more in terms of what you what you trade. But um, if you were to give up Walker, let's say in a trade for either of those guys, Walker's salary is two six. Two, yeah, two six, and the Kings have about a mil in cap space, so you can get there. 
you know, you can, you can get there with some moves here and there to, to get just underneath the cap. Joel Edmondson is three, five. So that's not that difficult. Um, so, I mean, I think you can make any one of those guys fit, but you'd have to, you'd have to give up Walker and that's not really giving anything up. You're almost just trying to convince the other team that you're giving them a functional defenseman who who's coming off of an injury year, but can still be a good player for them. A decent, you know, four to six defenseman potentially. Yeah. Um, and you're doing that more so though as a throw in to kind of make the cap work. I don't think, I don't think Sean Walker is really the, a piece on any real trade. He's, he's a, he's a roster player for an NHL team and has a reasonable salary that can make things work. I think if you were to go after any of those guys, McCabe, Chikrin, definitely Edmondson, maybe probably, I don't know. Like I think a pick and a prospect is kind of where you're starting quite honestly. And depending on which one of those players you're looking at a higher pick or a higher level prospect is what you're talking about. And I'd be fine giving up any of those things. I really, I mean, I first round pick is no joke. The Kings typically do well, but at some point you have to give up something of this treasure trove that you have of players and prospects, et cetera, to get guys who are going to come in and, and be players for you. And all three of those guys, by the way, have term. Edmondson still got. Yeah, I thought I thought Edmondson was a UFA. I no, mentioned he's, he's, he's still not. Got a, yeah, he's got another yeah. year. Yeah. He's got a no trade clause. Modified, modified. Yeah. but still, you're right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe for he's him, got or... a, he's got to send ten teams. It's a ten-team no-trade list. Yeah, I suspect the Kings will be fine <laughs> in that department. I mean, you'd hope so. I mean, yeah. it's a playoff team in a in a decent climate, unless he really, really hates them for some reason. But yeah, I think all three of those guys, you you reasonably make phone calls on, and then you decide what you're willing to give up. But I don't see a way that you don't. You don't move a walker or something like that in this kind of deal to make the salary work. I think I follow numbers wise works and a team may ask for him because he is a, a valuable middle six player with term at a, at a good age. I, I don't know if the Kings would want to give him up though, especially for what they're trying to achieve. Also, I don't think like Montreal. I don't think is going to want Io follow. I doubt that. No, I think Montreal would be better served going for you know the picks, the prospects, Futures. whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Agreed. And Chicago probably should should do the same thing. I think they're they're kind of looking more at a scorched earth kind of yeah kind of rebuild there. Taves and Kane, their names coming up. Yeah, almost every day at this point. So right, right. But if uh, if Moore's returning, and you're assuming Byfield is staying up with Kopitar because that mm-hmm. seems to be working, Kopitar on some kind of heater right now, mm-hmm. looking real good, playing very well. Byfield, I'm sure, has something to do with that. Mm-hmm. He's looked great. I mean, great for what we've seen previously from him. Anyway, he's looked like he's m- much more comfortable now. He's still not sh- showing that assertiveness that I think you want out of a draft pick of his caliber with the potential and with kind of the expectations put on him. But I think he's getting there. It's a slower burn with him. 
there were games where he looked dreadful this season, and I think mm-hmm. those are those are behind him. I really do. I think he's put together now five, six consecutive good games. Um, so if if you want to keep him up there, which is not a guarantee, and you like Fiala in your top nine, <laughs> which, which I assume you do. The great thing about Fiala, man, it doesn't matter where you. I, I'm. I'm. He's. He's so special, dude. Like, I think he's so much better than we ever probably even i think he's better than than even the kings imagined when they signed him he is better than like we expect we had low expectations expectations for dano and i was like oh i was so wrong we were very very vocal about that i think we were even more wrong about fiala even though we were very positive on the acquisition but we kind of just said yeah you know 30 goal guy he'll he'll chip in here he but it's not just that yeah he is a special hockey player offensively speaking insanely gifted i had no idea his skill level was this high yeah he is on another level and i think he has reached that other level this season he was good in minnesota but i don't think he was showing this you know what was interesting is I, i remember back when the kings acquired him in that trade i was reading a lot of like Minnesota opinions and Minnesota bloggers and things like that. And, and a lot of people were, were comfortable, not comfortable. Like they were obviously sad giving up a super talented guy like that, but a lot of people were consoling themselves going, well, Matt Boldy looked awesome. Matt Boldy's going to be just fine. We're not going to miss Kevin Fiala all that much. Right. And that's not to say that Matt Boldy hasn't had a good season, but I heard a few, uh, Minnesota bloggers and Minnesota Twitter, Russo might have been one of them that kind of came out and said, you know, as much as, as much as Matt Boldy is a great player, like they helped one another become different players. Like Matt Boldy elevated Fiala's game, but Fiala really elevated Boldy's game as well. And, and, I, and I don't need to see a single shift those two have ever had to know that. Yeah, because you've seen because you've I've seen Kevin seen Fiala have shifts with Blake Lazat and elevate Blake Lazat's game, and that's that's a special player, man. When you can and Kopi does that too. Kopi when Kopi was in his prime, it was like put whoever you want with Kopi, and their game will be elevated. That's that's a rare breed, and I agree. I don't I don't think we expected that. I think we expected him to be a very complimentary first line winger kind of guy uh, i agree just... i i did not expect him to lead the team in scoring so decisively mm-hmm. i might add like i i thought he'd be up there but i still anticipated kopitar being in the 60 70 range and probably leading the team in scoring again just due to you know doing copy things you know power play assist and stuff but this is just this is next level shit man i don't I, who's the last player that wore a, a sweater for this team that was this skilled. Demetra. Demetra Palfi. Yeah. Like that's those, how far. Those are the, yeah. Individual and. Yeah. And Kovalchuk was at the tail end and, and he didn't have the same juice he used to have. So he's not, it's not him. Yeah. I'm looking like I'm thinking back Jeff Carter, exceptional talent, but not nearly the skill level. Carter's game was just like physical gifts. Right. More than anything. I also don't think that Carter, you know, bless his ability, but I don't think that Carter elevated 
the guys around him. You know, the, the, the 70s line, the 70s line worked because those guys were talented in the way that they were working. It wasn't because Jeff Carter brought something out of them. Like after Jeff Carter left, Tyler Toffoli was still a 30 goal scorer, you know? Um, when I think back to players that you could put them on any line and they're going to thrive. You could put them in any situation and they're going to thrive. It goes back to Dimitra Palfiera. And obviously, Kopi can do that, but very different, different player than this. This, I mean, he's just so damn good. And that contract is such an underpayment for what he brings to so this team. So beautiful. So beautiful. You're looking at an 80-point season for this guy. And yeah. He's been playing third line minutes. Yeah, that's the other thing. He, he, he played he, fourth line minutes. You know, yeah, yeah, he got his power play time, but he's still Yeah, he's he's just an exceptional talent. And I think this is his finest season of his I, career. And I mean, it, I, I it's not just the numbers, man. It's just the, the game impact, the it's stuff the he's doing. He's it's so dangerous. Every shift. When's the last time a Kings player was worth the price of admission just to watch him do shit? He is that guy. Yeah. That's how good he is. And it's funny because I remember that you and I distinctly had a conversation last year where we were talking about the Kings need a game breaker. The Kings need a guy where it's, it's tied to, to someone needs to do something and put the team on their back. He is that guy. And then some. He is agreed. And, and game breaker in hockey is just like Kopitar has never been a game breaker. No. Kopitar needs. And that's zone, no disrespect. Zone that set is, up, yeah. right, a different player. He, he's a steady. He, he's playing chess. Like he needs yeah. to set up the moves. We're going to move the puck here, go low to high, get it. Like, that's what he does. I'll gain the zone for you and I'll dish. Like that's right. zone entry city for Kobe. This guy it could be a broken play. The puck could be laying somewhere. And if you blink, you might miss him just making a play and scoring a goal. How many times has he done that this season where it's like him and the puck and he just makes a play. That's what game breaking is in hockey is when there's nothing and you make something happen out of a nothing situation. See fun, fun fact. Do you want to know amongst the NHL's top 30 scorers and points who has the lowest average time on ice? You guessed it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, way to bury the lead, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm assuming it's Fiala. He's averaging 17 minutes, 42 seconds. That's his time on ice. That's second line minutes, man. Yeah. Every other guy you look at here is 19, 20 minutes plus. You get to the top, you got your dry sidles, McDavid's 21s, 22s, Kucherov's 20, 28, Pasternak's 19, 44, Jason Robertson's 1849. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but that's. A lot of these guys are not defensively responsible players, but they're still getting the time. Just, I'm just saying that as a, as kind of a caveat or just a a footnote, because people are going to probably think, well, you know, it's because he's not defensively responsible. So they can't trust him with the ice time. I'm just throwing that in there because I I'm telling you right now, David Pasternak is not a good defensive player. No. He just happens to be an exceptionally talented sniper. But he's getting the minutes, probably because he's playing on a line with the best defensive forward (laughs) of our generation. But still. Yeah. That's, that's, 
we tried that with our guy too. And, and we decided that we were better off splitting it up so that every line is a threat, you know, and that's okay. Interestingly, I, I think on, on Jesse's podcast, an episode or two ago, he was talking to, to uh, I forget now if it was Daryl or, or Jim Fox, but they were mentioning that like, they would like to see Fiala on the, on the PK. And I was like, that is an amazing thought. Like, game, why does that not yeah, happen? The game is different. It's not the same game, dude. You score on the PK now. And not yeah. just that, he's in, he has enough bite in his game. Oh, dude, he's, he's gritty like that. Like, he'll get on you and he's fast enough where he can sweep and go back and forth and maintain his position. You just put him up in there and go, this is your corner. And if he sees a loose puck, he's gone. He's absolutely yeah. gone. Right. There's, there's no reason not to try it. You know what I mean? It, you just, unless he's straight up told you that I don't want to do it, which I can't imagine. But, but the time to try it is when we were one of the worst PKs in the NHL. Yeah. But, and I guess that's not going to happen. But anyway, my point is he's amazing. I'm so happy we have him. He's at a bargain of a contract for what he brings to this team. And he's still not getting the ice time that the other people of his echelon are getting day in and day out. So there's, there's still room for more from him is what I'm saying. It's great. It'll be great. It'll be great when the team is healthy and Phil Deneau gets his Trevor Moore back and gets that pep in his step. Yeah. Then, then you're talking about, man, three, four lines that can go. And then you're back to that old problem again of who goes where and who plays where and I mean, I know we just talked about this, but I think Byfield goes down. That's to to the bottom six, I'm assuming, Mm -hmm. when everyone gets healthy. I would assume so. And then you put IFO or you put Gabe back up or? Well, I don't know. If Moore's going to slide right back home, Mm -hmm. which I assume he would. And then IFO moves up and and then. I'm just like, because then when, where do you play? Fiala is he just riding the third Lazad, line? Aya follow third line. Lazad Aya follow Fiala third line. I wouldn't mind seeing Liza follow. I wouldn't mind seeing <laughs> Byfield, Fiala, and Velardi. Fiazalo, come up with some nifty name for that one. Yeah, let's stop this. Sounds naming, like an Italian dessert. <laughs> naming every line stuff, please. <laughs> we got the nice line. Let's just go with it. That's fine. Yeah. But like, then it opens you up to like options. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to move Aya follow up to the top line, Fiala, Byfield, Velardi will be all kinds of fun. That sounds delightful. Like so much skill. But the question then is like, is Quentin Byfield a center? A center. Yeah. <laughs> like it's which, so confusing. Which clearly he doesn't. I don't think they try him at center anymore this year. I really don't. You don't? Okay. No, I, even I even when everyone's back? No, I, I think they're they're pretty settled. The the impression I get is that they tried him at center. It wasn't working. His game and his confidence was being affected by that. And so now I think they've settled on the idea that just get him ice time, get him experience with responsible players, and then build off of that again in the off season and figure it out, figure it out at that point, whether it's going to be, he's going to be a right winger, figure out if he's actually capable of going back and being a center. But I think in real time, it's not, 
it's not conducive to him or the team. The team is playing well. The line is playing well. He's playing better. He's learning. I think they just ride it out, honestly. But do you think they ride it out on the top line? Well, yeah. I mean, is it is it perfect? Is it? I I don't think it's perfect, but we've seen this how many seasons now that you know you just Kopitar doesn't really get a set set wingers like he just kind of. But then you're looking at I follow on the fourth line, just by default. Because you're thinking Velarde, well, Lazat, Fiala, no. third line. I'm just looking at the left side. Yeah, if if Byfield staying up. Uh huh. Then obviously Moore is two, Fiala uh-huh. is three. Uh huh. That only leaves one guy. Right. And that means Brendan Lemieux is riding the pine. Worst oh, things no. have happened. Oh no! Uh, and then there's Grunstrom actually. Right, yeah. but then so then you have Artie. Then Jad is yeah, it's a mess. Jad needs Jad's, to go down. Jad's been Jad's been, been looking fine. good, dude. Jad's been just fine. Jad. I'd rather have Jad in than than Lemieux. I realize that they're kind of missing this this grittiness, and that's the that's I was going to bring this up. You know, listening to those episodes um, for the 2012 review that that Jesse was doing on all the Kings men, I I did. It got me a little nostalgic for Mike Richards which happens to me from time to time because I think he was just such an amazing player in his prime. And I think Deneau has some things, but just missing that. Yeah. There's it's that nastiness. It's, it's, not, it's not it. It's close, but it's not yeah. it. Yeah. The game is similar. I think certainly it's a similar game. Like Richards never overwhelmed you with his skill. Right. It was right. just sheer smarts and determination right in fact he looked unskilled if you just watched him oh yeah horrible stride didn't have a great shot but you look at his philly seasons man he had 80 something points right like clockwork right um i see it's similar with the no like he looks ugly when he skates it doesn't look clean his shot isn't great his defensive game is all world just like richards um but yeah, it's just that one little gear of like the shift. You remember the, remember oh, the yeah. shift against, oh, yeah. uh, ironically against Montreal that, that Richards had, like that's all, that's all complete buy-in and not the nose bought into, but like, that's a different level of like intensity yeah. and being dialed in. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that after hearing all those interviews and hearing about like how lauded Mike Richards was in that first playoff run and Brown and, and Richards hit on Burroughs and Brown's hit on Sedine. I understood what they were trying to get with getting a guy like Lemieux, like a little bit of bite with some, some, you know, tenacity, but it, it he's not that guy. You he's know what I'm trying to say? Player. He's not it's that not guy. His game. That's what I'm trying to say. Like they were trying to achieve that. They were trying to get two separate players that had two parts of Mike Richards and try to try to get that. And they're not. Dude. All I've seen, the grit or whatever you want to call it, that edge, I've only seen it after the whistle with this guy. hundred percent. Have you seen it whistle to whistle? Have you seen him no, in a game not go at out all. and like be a presence on the ice? No. Even on the forecheck, he's freaking gliding around. 
So I don't understand. Like, that's the part I don't get. Like, you want nastiness and agitation? That's different. But don't tell me he brings an element of physicality. He does not. He is not a physical player. I agree. He hasn't been. I agree. So I agree. I think the kind of the secret sauce for those championship teams were that those guys were getting minutes. You had to deal with Dustin Brown 20 right. minutes a game. Right. Not seven or whatever the hell. You had to deal with Mike Richards 20 minutes a game. Right. All of this to say that I think that's another thing that this team is lacking. For as much as they're lacking a, a second pairing Dude, left-handed defenseman. You know you're preaching to the choir. You know who I wanted. You know the players I've always wanted. That's why I wanted Tyler Bertuzzi. And I know it didn't work out and it's not going to happen and I'm over it. But I agree with you 100%, man. You need yeah. that in your top six. I yeah. 100% agree. That's the type of player that doesn't exist, to be honest with you. How yeah. many of those guys exist? <sighs> that can tough. score? That can, that can actually say, hey, I belong in the top six? with my offensive contributions and I have, I have this element to my game. Dean Lombardi knew that. That's why he got Milan Lucic. It didn't work out, but that's why he got him. I, I understand it. I do get it. I do get it. And I realize that, you know, not every team has that, but I think the teams that do have that have a little bit of an edge. I'll give you a good example of one, maybe not to this level, but having a great season this year, and has that physicality and size factor, maybe not as tenacious as Richards or anyone, but Zach Hyman in Edmonton, I think that's a, that's a great example of a, He is that type of player. Yeah. Totally. He, he's not like, is in your face. He's not like going to chirp you necessarily or get into after the whistle scrums or whatever, but he'll make you pay physically. He's got the body to body you out and he can score. And you have to deal with them for 17, 18 minutes a night, you know? It'd be nice. It'd be nice to to have... It'd be nice if Byfield turned into that kind of player. Uh, it's not happening. It's hard. Sorry. I know. I realize. But, like, that's when you were talking about, like, the presence, the, the, the use of his physicality, perhaps. That, like, man, this guy's such a pain in the ass to, to handle. Yeah. It'd be nice to, to have him be that kind of guy. We don't have a pain in the ass skilled player. No. And like I said, they're very hard to find. I think they tr they were hoping Turcotte would turn into that guy. I think that when they drafted him, you know, in a lot of ways, even I think the draft comparables were Mike Richards, even I, I distinctly remember that being thrown in there and injuries have kind of derailed that development a little bit, but I believe the Kings still value that kind of player. I think they're misguided in still keeping Brendan Lemieux around, hoping that he would be that kind of player somehow. Maybe not with the skill, but just like the tenacity that you can throw him out there for a shift and he'll actually make a difference because he'll hit someone and not just, I don't know, punch someone unnecessarily after the whistle and take a stupid penalty. But yeah, if if I had like a, a wish list, I guess, for the deadline, it would be certainly a left-handed defense, but if I had a wish list for the offseason beyond the goaltending situation, I think it would be maybe a third-line guy who could be, you know, kind of in your face a little bit. Right. Um, I don't know. Is Lawson Krause that type of player? 
I haven't honestly seen enough to say. I was just thinking about like who you could get from a bottom barrel team yeah. in the summer, but I yeah. hear you, buddy. And you know, I, res- I support you on this one. Thanks, sure. man. Thanks. Uh, anyway, those are, those are our thoughts. Any other, anything else you feel like bringing up or? I don't know. Excited? The all-star game sucks. It was yeah, a joke. So bad. I didn't even watch it. I just saw the Twitter highlights and I'm like, I'm so glad. I wasn't even I'm excited so to see like fastest skater or hardest shot or any of those things. I mean, it, because, it's because they don't make it exciting. <laughs> the breakaway yeah. competition is, is it needs to go like now. Yeah. I understand you want to show personalities and have fun with it, but it's, it does not translate. I think we've talked about this before. They're trying to recreate the dunk contest. It does not translate to this sport. Find something else to do, guys. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, well, they had their own dunk contest this time around. The water dunk. The dunk tank. <laughs> so stupid. Fantastic. I didn't mind the, uh, the highlights I watched of the puck golf. That was Yeah, they've done something. that now a couple of seasons, right? <laughs> I don't think so. That's the first time I'd I, seen I that. I seem to remember... They had done like the one where they flipped them in the random parts of the arena, but never like out on a golf course, oh, which is what right, they did right. this year. And that was, that was interesting, you know? But yeah, I think there's, there's, I saw some decent ideas out there. I think the breakaway challenge is, is nice because you get to see the guy's skill. Uh, I've always been a fan of actually bringing in guys who aren't necessarily all-stars to do certain things. You know, like almost like a like a young stars ish situation. I've always enjoyed that a little bit. It's hard though. It's hard with the breakaway challenge because the goalie's not going to try. That's why I want the goalies to try. I want the goalies to try. And if you don't, if you if you want the players to be able to score and the goalies to try, bring in some other goalies. I don't know what to tell you. Bring in some like e bugs. (laughs) Bring in like a pee wee triple A kid from the city that you're hosting. I don't know. Right. Let them face NHL players and let the NHL College players teams just from Florida, whatever. bury them. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Dude. Just make it so that everyone's trying. Yeah, but I think there one is of the edge good, to the shooter. That's one, that's one of the good suggestions do. that I heard was show the skill gap, like bring in college players, high school or whatever, and do like a mixed thing where you have the college players do breakaways on NHL goalies because then the NHL goalie is not going to want to be shown up by a college player. And then similarly, the NHL player is not going to want to get shown up by a college goalie. So it adds a little something to it, you know? Right, right. There's the incentive to embarrass. Correct. That's what you need, baby. Correct. That's what you need. The incentive to embarrass is very important in this. Like, yeah, if they if you bring in a peewee kid, they're going to go easy on him. You're right. You need to bring in a college player. Yeah. You got to plan a story where the college kid said that we're, we're out here to Make the NHL players look foolish. Really Cut WWE pick, like promos before. <laughs> make sure they take it personally, like MJ, and just bury him, dude. I would, I would I'm love to see. I would love to see a pre skills competition, WWE like stable promo. <laughs> All the you guys. You don't want these guys. You guys don't. You don't want these I, guys promoing. They don't. Oh got man, it, I would love they it. Got. I would love it. <laughs> Imagine McDavid and Dreisaitl trying to be entertaining. No, no, no. I I want them to be the silent guys who just look, who are just kind of in the background. And and just like rub their wrists. 
<laughs> I want McDavid and Drysaddle standing in the background, and Trevor Zegers cutting a promo. I would, I would watch that. Oh my God, I would watch that. I want Trevor Zegers calling Elliot Friedman Mean Gene over and over again. <laughs> oh my God, no one would get that. I would. I would love it. If you're over 35, you got to be. Everyone else would be so lost. (laughs) Even Trevor Zegers would be like, who the hell is Mean Gene? Why do you want me to say it? Just to those of us who would appreciate it, it would be hilarious. It would. I think it'd be good. I think it'd be awesome. All right, man. Well, this. this is, this is, this is very appropriate because this is episode 94. Hmm. And and you know who are 94 for this team. Uh, is it one? There's one man. It's Ryan Smith. It is Ryan Smith. And it is, is very appropriate because we were talking about gritty kind of <laughs> just, you know, a little yeah. muscly, a yeah. little, little greasy kind of. He's he, To me, he's the last old school player that played yes. hockey. Yes, yes. His gear, everything, the wooden stick, like, the, or I think it was a two-piece maybe, but the, it had the, the Sherwood had the pads wood probably, yeah. you know, the with barely CCM anything. bucket. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, he even had the white skates. Just a, yeah, all kinds of style on that guy. A lot of drip on the ice. <laughs> a lot of respect for him. Cheerful goodbye in Edmonton. Never going to get his jersey retired. Nope. Left the Kings the summer before they won the cup. It hasn't been the easiest ride for all no, lines. for Captain Canada. <laughs> Poor Captain Canada. Oh, man. All right. I'll give it, yeah. But you Ryan know what, Smith. though? I, I respect him. I respect him. I respect him, too. Came in. He played great with the Kings that yeah, one he season. He did. One of the few wingers that I can say, like, him and Kopey were like this. They were fine. Well, it was more Williams, but sure. Yeah. But that again, was a, remember how that was a great line, line. Was? That line was amazing, man. They were that so, line was so hot. At delicious. Like, for like two, three weeks or two, three months. Sorry. They were one of the top I, lines in I, the league. There's, there's another guy, man. Stick. Justin Williams I, is the best winger Kopitar has ever played with. 100%. Consistently. Yes. I, and I know that he played with Dustin Brown a lot. Yep. But I, in my opinion, the most effective winger Kopi's ever had is Justin Williams in his career. Justin Williams is a, is a special, special player, man. He really is. It's just another one of those guys who will overskill most of the time. Yeah. And another just ugly ish, like, Oh, horrible weird, skater, horrible, horrible skater, skater, weird body language all the time. He had the puck on a string, but he looked like he was stick handling with a pool cue most of the time. Yep. But just but a, heart done, that, baby. a heart that wouldn't quit. We need a couple of those guys. I, I want a couple. I want a couple of those just Trevor Moorish heart and soul kind of like run through a wall for you kind of guys. You know. Great. I think That's Fiala has the potential to become that once he gets his penalties in order. Yeah. Once he yeah. channels his aggression and, to hits instead of yeah, slashes, right. uses it properly. You know, he'll be fine. I could see that. I could see that. All right. This was good. It was nice to be back. Good to be back. Good Good to to be be back. back. I mean, it's February 9th. I think next time might be after the trade deadline, the way things are going right now. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll try Lots to of do breaks it here. Yeah. Lots of breaks here for the game. I mean, even still, they play Saturday, they play Monday, and then they don't play again until like Friday or something. So yeah. Okay, so maybe after the deadline makes the most sense. With yeah. The, the less pressure on ourselves. Yeah, we'll see how things go. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone. Welcome back. Thank you for being here. Uh, keep the Twitter interaction coming. Like, subscribe. Uh, yeah, watch watch Dustin Brown get his jersey retired, and then and then watch the Kings lose afterwards. In the first period. In the first period. All right, go Kings go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.